Uh, this week, week seven, it feels like we probably should have done more in the fall, but we're at week seven and that's fine. Uh, talking about the judges. Um, so what we've done so far, right? Last week, you know, we'll just summarize from last week. So God's people, they come out of slavery in Egypt. They spend 40 years in the wilderness chilling there because they didn't obey God. God says, okay, now it's time to take the land I'm going to give you. So they go in and they take the land. And Joshua says, so we live in for God. You're going to worship other gods. What's going on here? Because if you worship God, there's blessings. If you worship, you know, the pagan false gods, there's going to be curses. And everyone's like, oh, we're totally going to worship God. And we're going to do exactly what he says. And then he's like, okay, go take the land. And they're like, yeah, not going to happen. Um, so they didn't even finish taking the land that God wanted to give them. And so we get into the book of Judges. And this starts to tell the stories of, okay, so they took the land. Now they need to live in the land, which is, it proves a bit more difficult to actually live there than to take the land in the first place, right? Because you have to, you know, organize yourselves. You have to protect yourselves from the people around you. You have to, you know, not get in fights with your neighbors and stuff like that. And so the book of Judges talks about the time of the, the 12 judges of Israel who came and they kind of ruled over the people, but not really. Um, so we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But the book of Judges, anybody familiar with the book of Judges? Just offhand. I feel like you might be once I start talking about it, but when I say judges, no, everyone's like, eh, I don't know. I so, like who you got? Uh, Gideon, Samson, and Deborah. Gideon, Samson, I was for Samsung because I've been trying to get a phone upgrade all week. <laughs> Samson, uh, we got Ehud, and then Deborah. All right, so we're a third of the way there. Um, I don't know why Deborah's lowercase, capital D for names. Um, so, so the way that the book, why don't you go ahead and open the book of Judges. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. If you get to Ruth, you've gone too far, but if you're flipping that fast, you're probably not going to find Ruth. If you get to the Samuels, the Kings, the Chronicles, too far, go back a little bit. All right. So. Let's just let's just flip through. Oh, we're still flipping. I have a burner. It's great. Old Testament. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, first five. Then you got Joshua, Judges. If you get to like the uh, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, you've gone too far. Joshua. Nope. Other way. Joshua, Judges, first and second Samuel. Oh, here. Judges, what? Just Judges, one. So here's the way it works. If you look at chapter 1 and 2, you got a summary of the book of Judges. 
So you got your introduction happening in one and two. We're going to spend a lot of time in chapter two because it kind of summarizes the entire book. If you keep flipping uh, three through 16, you're going to get our 12 judges of Israel. Othniel, Ehud, Deborah, and Barak. Um, They get a couple chapters there. Gideon's in chapter six. And then you get a couple chapters. You got Abimelech. And he's in nine. You got Tola. Nope, Tola's not a judge. You got Jephthah in chapter 11. Not a great, I mean, none of them are. And then Samson finishes us out and he gets like five chapters. Uh, so that gets us three through 16. And then the last five chapters, 17 through 21, there's not really any judges happening in 17 through 21. But it gives three scenes of just how bad, that's the word I'm going to use, how corrupt, how dark Israel is after this time of the judges. So, so if you read the book, you're going to come into this cycle, right? Um, 12 times throughout the book. Basically, uh, the people respond to God's blessing with sin. <laughs> I'm like, those are two important words. God blesses his people and they start sinning because of it. Then God judges his people. God punishes his people. If I use the word judges, it's going to make things confusing. God punishes his people and they respond in repentance. And because they repent, God gives them a judge to deliver them. And they get delivered through these imperfect judges And they're happy for a while, but then this blessing of a judge leads to more sin. So you kind of have this circle, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve times throughout the book. And that kind of just spirals because it's youth group and I'm not preaching. It spirals down the toilet from there, right? Um, I totally didn't come up with this. This is Mark Devers' outline. I can't do much better. So let's just walk through this spiral real quick. And then um, I've been wanting to have small group conversations for like two months now. I'm like, we're going to do it this week. And then it's like, and Dan's still bloviating up here. And nobody uses the word bloviating. Dan's still talking. So I guess we're not. Um, so, so let's just work through these quickly. People respond to God's blessings with sin. So God blesses. Let's just, you know, review from last six weeks. Last week, especially, what are some of the ways that God blessed his people? Especially from last week. Land. Land, yeah. You go from wandering around in the desert to having a house to live in. That's a pretty good deal, right? Great land, yeah. It's flowing with fruit, there's wells. Anybody ever dig a well? Yeah, you don't want to. Um, there's uh, like there's olives already growing, and I guess that's fruit. Um, there's there's livestock. There's houses. Yeah, and it's all free, right? Free. So fairly decent blessings, right? And, and God says, okay, I've given you these blessings, and what are you going to do with them? Are you going to worship me? Well, look at Joshua, or I'm sorry, Judges 2. 
Um, this is starting in verse 1. That's what I have up there. Judges 2. Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum, and he said, I brought you up. This is the angel speaking for God. I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your side, and their God shall be a snare to you. As soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept. So God, God warns them, hey, if you don't drive these people out, if you don't obey me, I'm not going to keep blessing you. They're going to stay here. Their gods are going to lure you away from worshiping me. And like, I've been giving you victory, right? Remember Achan, where it's like, these guys should totally defeat Achan. Or not Achan, Ai, but because he sins, they're slaughtered. Or Jericho, like marching around with a trumpet doesn't defeat a city unless God's fighting for you. God says, I'm not going to drive these guys out if you're not going to obey and worship me. So God warns them. I mean, even remember the end of Joshua where Joshua says, hey, have this, um, you know, be faithful to the Lord. That's what he says. I'm not going to read the whole, whole big thing there. And they're like, yeah, we're going to be faithful to the Lord. God blesses them and the people just keep sinning. Um, so, there we go. Um, so you see this over and over. Judges 1.19. And the Lord was with Judah, and he took possession of the hill country, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain. Uh, Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean. Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites. Zebulun did not drive out the inhabitants of Kidron. <coughs> Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Akko. Naphtali didn't drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shamash. So you have this, this refrain, right? God gives them land. He says, drive out the inhabitants. And they don't, right? Um, and uh, if you go into Josh, or, man, Judges 2.10, basically you get this, um, this summary, right? And all that generation were also gathered to their fathers. They died. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. So Joshua's generation, the people that fought, those were your, those were your grandparents, let's say. Your parents, you guys come along. You, don't, you, didn't, you weren't in the wilderness. You didn't cross Jordan on dry ground, right? You didn't. It was your great-grandparents who came out of Egypt, right? Like... You're not, you're not remembering this whole thing. You don't know about what God has done. You just look around and you say, well, I have houses and olives and food. And all my neighbors seem to be worshiping the statue of a cow over here, Baal. So I guess that's what we do, right? We worship Baal. Um, and so you don't trust God. You don't worship him. Uh, Judges 2.13, and they abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashereth, these Canaanite gods. So I think we, have, we want to ask a question here. When God blesses you, what do you do with it? Right? 
So, I mean, it's Thanksgiving, right? I'm so excited to smoke a turkey on Thursday. I forgot to pull it out of the freezer, but I did this afternoon, so hopefully we're going to be good. Um, and the same way, like, sitting at the table, your mom's like, let's go around the table and say something we're thankful for. And you're like, I want to eat my mashed potatoes. Like, goodness gracious. Can we not do, like, why couldn't we do this in the 18 hours it takes to cook dinner and not when I'm sitting here in front of my cranberries? Like, Everybody's just but, like, I'm thankful. My right you guys you you guys have to do that too yeah okay so but it's it's a good thing to do right to remember the ways that god has blessed you right um i mean ella has this like turkey that she and chrissy made and every feather has a thing that she's thankful on and you know, right now it has like 12 feathers. It should have 21 for every day, but we're behind. Um, and, you know, it's like mommy, daddy, Asher. And that's like Culver's. I'm like, yes, I got you. I got you. And, you know, Daniel Tiger. I'm like, not so much, but like chicken tenders and fries, I'm, I'm there. Um, God blesses us in all sorts of ways, Right. And it would be really good for us, maybe not to go around the table and say things we're thankful for, though that's not a bad thing, right? Um, but to think, okay, what has God actually given me? I mean, we looked at, or we talked about all of the land and stuff, but God's given us every good thing we have. And do we use it to honor him or to oppose him? Um, so in Ephesians, not Ephesians, in Romans 6, right, we were talking about this the other week. It says, use your, your body, the things that God has given you, not as instruments of unrighteousness, but instruments of righteousness. So God's blessed us all in various ways, right? So let's say um, you... I thought Quinn was going to give me something here. <laughs> She's like, how about, like, come on, give me, give me. Let's say you are super. Give me a personality trait, because I'm drawing a blank here. Drawing Mad Lib style. Sandwich. Chicken sandwich. Super. Annoying. <laughs> okay. Super annoying. Uh, Let's say you're persistent, right? You know. Let's say you're you're just a very persistent. You get an idea in your head and you have to go after it, right? You're not going to give up. If if you want this chicken sandwich, right, you're going to be like, Mom, can we go to Wendy's? No. Can we go to KFC? No. Can we go to Burger King? No. Can we go to McDonald's? No. Can we go to Chick-fil-A? It's Sunday. No, we can't go to Chick-fil-A. Can we go to Popeye's? And like, the closest Popeye's is in, like in, Plum or in Pontiac right now. Like, no. Wow. <laughs> Can we go to Culver's? <laughs> Taco Bell doesn't have a chicken sandwich. They have the chicken taco, but it's not a sandwich. Uh, I'm putting. For what it's worth, Popeyes, Chick, KFC, Chick Fil A is my top three. Um, Chick Fil A has the best flavor, but it's not crispy. So besides the point. All right, all right. I just totally disrailed us on the chicken sandwich conversation. Um, you can use your persistence as ways to honor God, saying, you know what? 
God has given me a passion to go after relentlessly the things that I think are right. If my idea of what's right and God's is right, you know, aligns with what God says is right, this can be used in a very, very God-glorifying way. I can use my persistence to, I don't know, try and stand up for somebody who's having wrong done to them. Either, you know, to a bully at school. I'm going to, you know, if my teachers aren't paying attention, I'm going to the principal. I'm going to the superintendent. Like, you won't stop me from fighting for justice for these people I see oppressed at school. Or you could say, you know what? I'm going to be persistent and I'm going to get me this chicken sandwich. And it's totally selfish. Nothing wrong with chicken sandwiches. Um, but... But, like, I'm going to be selfish with my persistence. It's not that persistence is a good thing or a bad thing, but it can be used in either good or bad ways, right? Um, and so when we think of the ways that God <coughs> has blessed us, <coughs> we want to make sure that we are using God's blessings in ways that glorify God rather than opposing him. Like the people in the book of Judges got all these blessings from God, and they're just like, Whatever, we're not going to worship God because of them. Um, so after, after the people sin, God brings about judgment on their sin. God punishes them. Uh, look at Judges 3, 7 and 8. So 3, 7 and 8 and 9. It's up on, it's up on the thing. So again and again and again throughout the book of Judges, God is going to raise up enemies of Israel to come and punish Israel. Um, so in 3, 7, and 8, it says, And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord, their God, and they served the Baals and Asherah. These are just the false gods. We're going to keep running into them. That should be a lowercase g. Therefore, the angel of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rithriam, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan Rithriam eight years. Um, so, so basically, God says, okay, if you are going to disobey, you're going to worship other gods, I'm not going to protect you. I'm going to raise up, uh, who is this, Mesopotamia. You know them. Uh, your enemies, they're going to defeat you, and they're going to take you as slaves for eight years. And so they did. Um, and the people, eight years later, right, this isn't a quick story, they realize, wow, we're in slavery because we disobeyed God? What if we repent? What if we turn back to God? And so verse 9, when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel who saved them, Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Um, so, so the judges come to deliver God's people out of the oppression of other nations. Um, yeah, we're getting to small groups. I want to go down so many rabbit trails right now and they're not happening. What rabbit trails? Doctrine of Divine Concurrence, but we're not doing it. Um, if we have time, we'll get there. Um, and so when they cry out, God raises up these imperfect judges to come and rescue them. You know, one of them we heard was Othniel. And 
So God raises up these military leaders. They come and they fight against, you know, Mesopotamia, Kushan Rithium right here, or whoever is the guy that's opposing them. And they give them freedom. They give them victory. Um, so the summary of it from chapter 2 is, the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of those who plundered them. Yet, God blesses them through the judges. They did not listen to their judges, for they poured after other gods and bowed down to him. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and did not do so. So, right, it's, I'm going to sin, go into judgment, repent. God raises up a judge. He rescues us. And as a thank you, I'm going to go and start sinning again. That's just the cycle all throughout the book of Judges, down and down. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. So these judges, as soon as Apple TV catches up, basically the judges were, were local military leaders, right? They weren't like the king of the nation. They just served in individual places. You got 12 of them. You got Othniel, he was the first. Ehud, anybody know anything about Ehud? <laughs> Jeremy is so excited. What do you know about Ehud? Okay, tell me why. Really? Well, probably because it's probably the funniest one. How so? It was pretty funny. Go ahead. So Do it. He was a, I think, Benjamin. From Benjamin. Okay. I don't know, but I think he And he was a judge during the time where Moab was oppressing Israel. Yep. So what he did, he uh, came to pretty much deliver the taxes. Okay. Of his, the tribe, and for some reason I think they're all right-handed. Like usually, if you're Benjamite, you're right-handed. He was left-handed. Yep. So he, went, so he put his knife on the left side. I'm sorry, the right side. Because like when you grab a knife, you go like that. Uh huh. So they only checked one side. They didn't check the other side. Yep. And then when he was, he asked. Then when he was alone with the king, he. Uh, Stabbed the king. But he was, Wait, what, what do we need to know about the king? He was, he was incredibly so fat. He was so fat that the knife sank all the way in and he couldn't pull it out. Oh, yeah. And the smell was so bad that none of the guards came to check because he thought he was going to the bathroom. So no one checked for eight hours. There you go. So that, that's Ehud, the second judge, killed the fat king and nobody came to his rescue because they thought the king was on the bathroom. All right. Then we got Shagmar, or Sham, Shamgar. Deborah, anyone know anything about Deborah? What do you know about Deborah? You're like, I got, I got the judges, let's go. Go girls. What do you know about Deborah? Deborah's a girl, yes. What do you got? Well, I'm not talking about Deborah, but Ehud, I'm, I'm, I remember The blade was like 18 inches. Yeah, Ehud. And, and it still didn't, still didn't. All right, we're done with Ehud and his fat foe, the king. All right, so Deborah, um, she is a military leader. Uh, main commander is Barack and not Obama, different one. So they go out and they fight. Um, and the king that they're chasing, whose name is Cicero, not Cicero, Cicero, gets away. And he finds this woman whose name is, oh, why is this escaping me? What's her name? 
JL. And she says, oh, poor guy. Why don't you come into my house? I'll take care of you. And Watch she's like, away. right? And she's like, here, here, honey, lay down. I'm going to make you some tea. I'll make you some bread, some pot roast. Come in, take a nap. We'll feed you. I got you, buddy. So Cicero's like, Sister Russ, like, okay, that sounds great. He eats, he goes, he lays down, he takes a nap. Jail goes, pulls a tent peg out of the ground. As he's laying down on the temple, into the ground, kills the, kills the foreign king. Girl power, JL, Deborah, love it. Uh, Gideon, anybody know anything about this guy? Like the uh, police or whatever? Yeah. Gideon, so like you have these awesome people like Ehud, Shagmar, Shamgar doesn't have much about him. Deborah's pretty incredible. Gideon's like, all right, judges, I got this. Like fat kings, tent pegs through heads, love this. God's like, okay, go and, go and defeat these guys. And he's like, you sure? <laughs> yeah, do it. Okay, okay, okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a piece of fleece, right? You know, your, your blankie. I'm going to take my blankie. I'm going to lay it in the field. How about if I wake up and there's dew on my blankie, but not on the field, I'll trust you. So, you know, not, not a great thing to question God, but... So he goes to sleep without his blankie. He wakes up and um, he walks out in the field. The field's dry. His blanket's wet. Great. Okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. What if the grass just dried out before I woke up? How about this, God? How about tonight I'm going to put on my blankie. My blankie stays dry. The grass around it is wet. Then I'll trust you. And so he does it and God, you know, makes the, the fleece blanket. Whoop dry and everything else is wet and so he's like okay let's let's roll so he grabs his massive army goes to um <clears throat> wherever the temple was I'm like i didn't memorize all the places and uh god's like yeah hang on hang on you don't need four hundred thousand people to do this like cut say hey if you don't want to be here go home and so like a bunch of people leave and it's like no yeah, it's down to like 3,000 people. He's like, how about this? Too many. Take your troops to the, to the lake and say, okay, get something to drink. And if they bend down, cup water, like a human being, and they drink it, they stay back. If these are the guys that, I don't know if these are the crazy people, the worst of the worst. If they start lapping up the water like a dog, these are your people. Take the 300 of them, go and defeat them. Otherwise, you're going to be like, look at me, I'm Gideon. I led this army. But like, if it's 300, there's no way you think it's you, Gideon. Everyone knows that it's me, the Lord, rescuing you. Um, so Gideon goes and they defeat the army and they rescue them. Uh, you got Tola, Jair, nothing much happening about them. They're really short ones. Anyone know about Jephthah? Jephthah. Jephthah? Is that your, is your dad's name really Jephthah and just goes by Jeff? It's Jeff Ari. Okay, it should be Jephthah. So Jephthah has this awesome victory and he says, you know what, God, because you gave us, you know, victory, the first thing that comes out of my house, I'm going to sacrifice to you, thinking it's going to be, you know, a cow or something. And so he gets home and his daughter runs out, Dad, you're home. Oh. Um... 
So he just makes a really foolish promise that he keeps to the Lord, and he's a terrible guy. Um, apparently, the women of Israel just mourned and mourned for his daughter, and you know they carried on the tradition and the memory of Jephthah's daughter. Um, he her. Yeah. This is only child. It's it's debated. Maybe he exiled her. But 90% of people think that the text clearly says he killed her. Um, which, I mean, they were fighting against Baal worship, which sacrificed children to the Lord. And they said, this is wrong. This is sinful. God is opposed to this. And then he does the same thing. Um, Ibzan, Elon, Abdon, they don't do much. Samson, you know about him? Oh, yeah, dude with a bunch of hair. Dude with My a bunch of hair? Favorite what do you know about Samson, Chloe? All right, well, you know... Samson. No, it was, it was his yeah. hair that made him strong. Samson was strong until it came to women. <laughs> and then he uh, he was he was weak when it came to women and strong when it came to other things. We'll put it that way. Um, at his wedding, they didn't like who he was engaged to, so. Um, they gave his wife to his best man, and they got married. And because he was really upset about this, he took 300 foxes, and he grabbed two foxes, threw tails together around the torch, lit it on fire, and sent them off into the woods to burn down the, the lands of the Philistines. Um, what else did Samson do? Oh, one day he was walking home. He killed a lion, right? Just like, way to go, Samson. And he's walking back, and apparently bees had made a nest in the corpse of the lion. So he eats the honey. He's like, dude, honey. We love honey. So he gives it to his parents. And if you touch a corpse, though, you're defiled. It's, you can't be clean and touch a dead corpse. Like, and he's like, everybody eat this honey. And then he like just ceremonially defiles everybody so they can't go to the tabernacle and worship. He, he makes them sin. Um, yeah, he grabs the donkey's jawbone and starts ramboing around, killing people with him. Um, and then eventually they capture him, they tie him up, and they send Delilah, who's strategic for Samson's weaknesses. Um, is that a fair way to say that? <laughs> We're going to skirt around this issue as much as possible. And she's like, okay, what makes you strong? He's like, well, if you tie me with new, new bowstrings, you know, I'll, I'll be weak. So they tie him up with bowstrings, and they're like, kill Samson. And he's like, Rah! and he comes out, and he just does like this series of lies. And he's like, if you cut my hair, fine, I'll give it to you. Then he's weak, so they capture him, they gouge out his eyes, they tie him up to Baal's temple. They're all having their false worship service. And he prays, you know what, Lord, give me strength. I will knock down this temple, kill them all. God gives him strength one more time, pushes out the columns. Everybody, including Samson, die. Um, and that's the end of the judges, right? They're a bunch of not great people. Um, it kind of starts out good. And then you get to Deborah, and then things kind of start tanking there. The first four weren't bad. Um, yeah, it goes from, you know, untrusting, faithless guy to child sacrificer to just a terrible person all around. Um, 
And then, you know, the last couple chapters of, of, of Judges tell you about the, the time. And it's stories of murder and assault and selfishness, of not worshiping properly, of violence. It's just this dark. It's a really tough read to read the last five chapters of Judges. Um, where it clearly gives you this picture, like, the judges aren't going to work. Like, we need something better in the land. Uh, maybe we need a king. Uh, there's this refrain, there's no king in Israel. People are just doing what they want. But as we'll see when we get there in January, king's not going to be much better. What they need is a savior. Um, all right. But in the midst of the darkness, there's Ruth. Right, so right after Judges, you have this little four-chapter book called Ruth. Is anyone familiar with Ruth? You're familiar with Ruth? I, I love the book of Ruth. Here's what's going on. Here's what's going on in Ruth. Um, so it's in the time of Judges. It's one of the famines where God's not blessing his people because they sinned. So instead of repenting, um, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, 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 he's like, all right, we got to leave the land. We got to go find us food somewhere. So Elimelech, Naomi, leave the land along with their two sons and their two sons' wives. Being, you know, one of them doesn't matter. The other's name is Ruth, right? Ruth is not an Israelite. She was married to the son while they were out in Moab. Um, so she's one of the enemies of God, but married to an Israelite who's fleeing from the famine. Then Elimelech dies, and his two sons die. So you have Naomi, Naomi, and two daughters-in-law, Ruth and the other one. I don't care what her name is. Um, she says, all right, you go away. Go find somebody else to marry. Like, I got nothing for you. And Ruth says to Naomi, no, I'm going to stay with you. Your God is my God. Whatever we do, I'm sticking together with you. And so they go back to Bethlehem, where they're from. And Ruth and Naomi are just there. And they're like, life is miserable. Naomi's like, don't even call me Naomi. Call me Mara. It means bitter, because the Lord has been bitter to me. All right, Ruth, why don't you go and find us some food? So Ruth goes and she finds this field. And she starts gleaning some food, which means just going around the outside and picking up whatever's left on the floor. You've been like blueberry picking, right? You're like, you grab like a handful of blueberries and like 10 go in your hands and then to your bucket and like five fall on the ground. And you're like, I'm not bending over. It's too much work. Um, she starts picking up all the blueberries off the ground. It's wheat. Um, off the ground and takes it back to Ruth. And, and the guy that owns the field stops her. Boaz, the owner's like, so tell me your story. What's going on? So he hears, you know, everything that happened. And he says, actually, I'm, I'm distantly related to you. Uh, here's what you're going to do. Come back tomorrow. Do not go to any other field. It's a dangerous place here. Like, you don't want to be in Bethlehem in the time of the judges. It's, it's pretty shady, not safe place to be, especially for a, a young woman alone. Um, but I'm going to protect you. I'm going to tell my, my harvesters to protect you. If anyone messes with you, they mess with me, and I'm going to take them out. Um, so Naomi goes home just with buckets of grain, like a month's worth of food to her mother-in-law. 
And she says, hey, I found this guy named Boaz. And Naomi's like, hey, Boaz, great guy. He, he's a distant relative. What we're going to do is you're going to go and you're going to basically ask him to marry you. Um, which seems weird, right? If you were living back then or lived in Kentucky or something, like it wouldn't be that strange. My wife's from Kentucky. That's why we get that joke. Um, to marry a distant relative. Um, we don't have time for that. So Ruth goes and basically uh, they get married and they have a kid. And Naomi, who lost everything in the land outside of God's promise, now has you know, found a home. She has a family. She has a grandson. Anybody know what that, that kid's name is? Oh, I don't know. What's his name? Obed. Obed. So Ruth has Obed. Ruth and Boaz. And then Jesse. And Obed has a son named Jesse. Then named and you know what Jesse's kid's name is? David. David. Anybody ever heard of King David? We'll no, get there. I don't know. David. David. No, we don't know him. We'll get there in a couple months. Um, so we just have, I, I love Ruth and Judges together because big picture wise, you have this story of just things going downhill into deeper and deeper and deeper darkness and sin and death. But then you have Ruth who starts out in sin and death and not being part of God's people. And God just continually raises her up saying, I'm going to use the widows, the outsiders, the unwanted, the vulnerable, and I'm going to bless them. And even in the midst of darkness, I'm going to give hope through these outside people, um, these foreign widows. And eventually that's going to lead to the Messiah who fixes everything.